Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for July 7th, 2019. Boyo here, so very, very glad you joined us. Oh, boy. Fourth of July was a few days ago, and, of course, this has to do with Independence Day and fireworks. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any fireworks in your life? How about some spiritual fireworks? <laughs> well, I like to say a research on the topic of freedom, particularly re- religious freedom. You know, America's a unique, relatively new, young country, country of immigrants that brought their religion with them. And uh, so the, the diversity of religious approaches in America is is very unique, just like its uh, uh, ethnic background of its people. Sometimes it's said that uh, America is a great experiment. Hmm? Um, And, of course, there's uh, freedom of religion, meaning um, separation of church and state. As you know, a lot of countries, we might take it for granted, the religious freedoms we have. But a lot of other countries, it's tied into the government, you know, certain kind of religion. So our founders were really forward-looking, and they had the separation of church and state. Some people might still say, oh, we're Christian country or such, such and such, but uh, and uh, that religious right is a very strong movement. Uh, they put uh, in the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, one nation under God. That was that wasn't in the original, but uh, I think in the Eisenhower era, there was a strong enough movement to add that. See? In God we trust. See? All others pay cash. I'm just kidding. Okay, what's that religious freedom? I once heard three freedoms that related to religious freedom. 
See, the first one is the obvious one, freedom of religion. Okay? You're not coerced into any state religion or anything like this. You uh, all kinds of religions, freedom of religion. And then it was pointed out because we do have atheist organizations, movement, freedom from religion. Okay? Atheists say, don't leave us out. Okay? You cannot force a child to uh, say a prayer in school. Okay? If you have a prayer session, everybody has to be silent, <laughs> and everyone does it in their own way. But interestingly, there was a third type of freedom, depending upon the preposition after the word freedom. Okay? You have freedom of religion, freedom from religion, and it was suggested we have freedom within a religion. Uh, because sometimes the conservatism of a particular religious movement is very strict and narrow and dogmatic. You have to believe like this. This is the only truth there is. You got to do these things. You got to be like, you know, uh, like a straitjacket. Very rigid. But, well, I hate to <laughs> toot uh, Buddhism's horn, but it has been pointed out. I read it and said, relatively speaking, Buddhism is really an exemplar of freedom within a religion. Okay? There's all kind of Buddhists, and they're all okay. No Buddhist denomination will say, we're the only one, we're the truest one, we're, you know. Well, you got to do this. Okay? They encourage freedom of re freedom within a religion. Okay? Uh, they they support it. So, in a way, you could say that religions that uh, do not have much freedom, they're not really so confident and secure in their position and their beliefs and practices, because then they say, "You got to do this." Whereas if you if you had a religion that was very secure in its foundational thing, you say, hey, you know, a lot of individual freedoms and things it's encouraged and you know, we have a solid core or fundamental aspect, but how you might make it come alive in your own life isn't that the real test of a religion? It as a personal experience, okay? not a set of beliefs as a social, religious institution, organization in society. That's why a lot of people, uh, they're dominated by a certain approach to religion and they say, oh, Buddhist or this religion, what do, what do you believe in? They should say, hey, how do Buddhists live? Mm -hmm. How do they express their religion in action in everyday life? Okay. Not as a rigid, dogmatic set of beliefs. Well, I better get off my high horse for Independence Day and freedom. Uh, you know, there was a <laughs> one last thing. It just popped in my mind. Uh, there, of course, is... Uh, National freedom, 
which was the July, you know, the real meaning where the nation declared its independence. And there are similar movements all in history. And I think either it was Scotland or Ireland, William Wallace. Yeah, I'm not sure, too sure the historical facts, but Mel Gibson played William Wallace, who was fighting for Scotland or Ireland's independence from Britain back in the whatever century it was. And he was finally captured and he was laid out onto a wooden block on, on a sort of a stage. And there was this executioner there that was going to chop his head off. Okay. And one of the uh, establishment leaders was trying to get him to admit that he was wrong. Because, you know, there was a lot of people gathered around and he wanted to make an example and say, and for him to denounce his prior activities. But he, he was, you know, he had been tortured and everything. He was semi-conscious, lying there, chained up. And, and uh, then he took a big breath and he yelled out, Freedom! And I'll never forget one of our lay ministers and a student they were writing about freedom, the topic of freedom, because you could talk about religious freedom. What does it mean? Hmm? Spiritual freedom in a spiritual context. And our approach, like I said, is freedom within a religion. See? Buddhism is very open on that score. Tolerant, diverse. And so this student said he had a flashback of that Mel Gibson scene, and, and, and it was me. He said, oh, Reverend Coyle was yelling louder than Mel Gibson. Freedom! <laughs> what a story, huh? <laughs> I have to learn from that. Well, I want to introduce today a guest to give us a Dharma glimpse, and I have to explain um, uh, that we are switching uh, our Live Dharma Sunday program coordinator, and so things got lost and slipped between the cracks, and the scheduling got messed up, and uh, he had been previously scheduled. We didn't know whether, I think he had sent in an MP3, because uh, some of them, they cannot give the talk Dharma Glimpse live. They send in a recording, and then we put it up in the studio uh, uh, thing, and we uh, compress the button, and he could we could activate it. But we don't have his recorded glimpse, and uh, we we didn't know how to contact him for so late before the show. But he had given a Dharma glimpse previously, not on the live Dharma Sunday show. Okay. Uh, that I liked, and I had asked him for a copy of it, and I have it. So I would like to to read this glimpse by Alex Cacquio, who's a member of the LM10 inductee group. He lives in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, here's his glimpse. Uh, that uh, I don't see a title, but uh has to do with Buddha and the blues. <laughs> I discovered blues music when I was 10 years old. I was at my maternal grandmother's house 
watching TV when a movie called The Blues Brothers came on the screen. The pretext of the movie is fairly simple. Two brothers, Al Wooden and Joliet Jake, are on a mission from God to raise money to save the orphanage where they grew up. Along the way, they travel the country, getting near, uh, getting their old blues band, band together. The movie featured uh, cameos from the likes of Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, and James Brown. I had no idea what I was listening to, but I knew I was in love. The sound coming out of that TV had me shaking my tail feather and dancing all over my grandmother's couch, which was strictly forbidden. Later, it took a little bit of explaining when uh, 10-year-old me told her that I liked Blues Brothers music. But when she finally understood what I was talking about, she laughed, warning me that I was too young to know anything about the blues. Naturally, it just made me like them more. As I got older, artists like B.B. King, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Mighty Sam McLean kept me company through final exams, through road trips, evening out with friends. And I started to understand my grandmother's words because blues music is beautiful to listen to, but the beauty is rooted in pain. And I had to grow up. I, I had to experience the pain of broken hearts, shattered dreams, empty bank accounts before I could really appreciate what I was hearing. When my girlfriend left me, uh, it was Gary Coleman's The Sky is Crying that got me through. I was a strong, capable Marine. I wasn't supposed to feel pain. I wasn't allowed to cry. So that song cried for me. It cried every night till my heart finally healed. When I was an overeducated, unemployed 20-something, it was Muddy Waters. My, Manish boy that kept me company. When I couldn't stand on my own two feet, the song stood for me. It stood up for me every day, protecting me from fear and self-doubt. So much pain, so much great music. And we can't have one without the other. Simply, we can't have enlightenment without suffering. Whoa, the Buddha's first noble truth about the reality of life. That's why I like to picture Buddha not as a sage beneath the Bodhi tree, but as a blues man sitting in a smoke-filled bar. We come to him with our problems, and he sings the blues in response. Meditate, he sings, strumming the guitar. Chant, he whispers tapping his feet to the beat. And as the Buddha takes a long, stroll drag on a big old cigar, we sink deeper into our chairs, letting the words drift over us like dharmic smoke. Night after night, we come back to hear him sing. And night after night, he plays the same soothing songs, make it a part of our practice. He doesn't take the pain away. That would be unkind, actually. Instead, he teaches us how to work with it. Okay. Each time he steps on the stage, the blues man Buddha reminds us that life is full of dissatisfaction, hardships, 
And that's okay. Because suffering is like the sheet music for our melody. And life is the microphone for our song. He shows us that we can take our pain and transform it into something that's valuable in our personal life. We can take our misery and learn to play the blues. Well, well, well. I think it's brilliant. And, <laughs> you know, in our approach in Bright Dawn, we, our niche is sort of making Dharma personal. Huh? And I remember another lay minister student wrote in a report once and she and she communicated, she expressed, you know, for the longest time, we, they meet every week in a teleconference and share their Dharma glimpses and whatnot. And, and she had a realization, an epiphany, if you will. She said, my whole approach to religion was you're supposed to learn how to look outside and find the teachings everywhere. But in Buddhism, you don't have to look externally and try to dig out a teaching. Buddhism teaches you have to dig within to dig out a teaching. That is pivotal. Huh? To have that kind of realization is almost enlightenment itself. You know? Uh, so I remember some of these comments that people made in their uh, Sunday teleconference calls and so forth. You know, I learn, I'm the one that learns a lot. Well, that's all for today's broadcast. See you next time. Keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.